Welcome to the Gold Standard here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall. You can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. And I'm Adam Vingan on Twitter at Adam Vingan. Your Nashville Predators podcast, and we are essentially in season because the next time we record, Adam, mm-hmm. we will have four hockey games to talk about. Four whole games. Four entire games to talk about. Now, we are going to try to record every Wednesday morning for you guys. We're going to try to record every Wednesday morning for you guys because we looked at the calendar and thought, you know what, that's about the best place in a weekly schedule of hockey games. And because the schedule is so condensed, you're going to get a lot of reaction from a lot of games on each show. So we're going to try to shoot for every Wednesday morning. So again, rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Tell everybody uh, that you know about the show. We would appreciate it. And of course, per usual, subscribe to The Athletic and pay for good journalism. A lot of good stuff up there on the NHL, Adam. Well, we've had plenty in the last couple of days. We had our 2020-2021 NHL Goalie Tears Project, which is an annual list that uh, my colleague Craig Custance, easy for me to say, uh, puts together. Um, We also have uh, a ranking uh, of the top 100 players in the league, uh, starring Craig and Dom LeCision, whose name I'm probably butchering. Um, he is our analytics guru. They did a fabulous job with it. You should check that out. Um, as well as the new hockey podcast that, uh, we debuted, um, starring Ian Mendez, who recently joined us, uh, in Ottawa. Um, it's, it's going to be really great. Of course, you should continue to listen to the gold standard as well, but, uh, there is always room for high quality NHL related podcasts in our world. So, uh, when you're done listening to us, go over to theathletic.com and read and listen to your heart's content. There there you have it. Absolutely. Today on the show, as we mentioned, we have four games to briefly touch on. We'll have a, some news and notes at the end of the show, a, a digestif, if you will. Mike Milbury, Colin Wilson involved in that, a few uh, notes from around the league. We are going to take a, a quick look around the Central Division, glance at the Vegas odds, and then, Adam, I'm going to have you kind of give everybody a quick scouting report on what fans can expect to see from the rest of the Predators division, as I assume we are all going to get to know these teams very, very well over the course of the next few months. We'll glance at some final predictions, if you want to call them that. I'm not really big on predictions, but what we think the roster could look like uh, because we did have some scrimmages over the weekend. And while we don't necessarily learn a ton from practice and or scrimmages, we can start right there, Adam, as it pertains to what do we think this roster will look like now that we are this close because – we're recording this on Monday. There are a couple of practices to go, but you know, basically on Thursday night, we're going to have a hockey game and the next practices don't really function like training camp. They, they function a lot more like getting ready for a game. And so I, I guess the scrimmages are, were the last remnants of a very brief six day training camp. I don't, I've never seen anything like it, man. Technically, I believe training camp does continue up until the start of the regular season, which is Wednesday, but effectively training camp is over just because as you just mentioned, uh, today, today as we record this, Monday, the Predators are off. Uh, management and coaches, management and coaches, excuse me, are, are going over final decisions. Uh, so as you said, Braden, the practices on Tuesday and Wednesday will feature the group that should be the opening night roster um, for Thursday's game against the Columbus Blue Jackets. Um, they scrimmaged on Friday and Sunday. Um, I, for one, you know, not to not to go into the Allen Iverson frame of mind here as I hit the microphone, 
while I wildly gesticulate. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and you put this in the story too, by the way, and on theathletic.com. Yes. You know, practice is practice. To me, all practices look the same. Um, I thought the scrimmages were perhaps a bit more competitive than normally you would normally expect from a preseason scrimmage because there are no preseason games. Uh, so this was their one or two opportunities, rather, uh, to get in game action. Uh, Sunday had a, a larger group of players, specifically Matt Duchesne, Eric Halla, and Rocco Grimaldi, none of whom participated in the first scrimmage. Uh, so we got a better look at that. Um, Which is good news that those three guys were were, were playing on yes. Sunday. Yes, so the only player missing, the only main roster player missing is Mikhail Granlund. Um, who will miss the start of the regular season. Um, he has been having some immigration issues, so to speak, in terms of getting the paperwork finalized for the visa and all of that. Plus, it's the ho- it was the holiday season when he signed, and there's also a pandemic going on. So <laughs> oh, that thing? It, it is much harder. Yes, that thing. It is much more difficult uh, to get all of that paperwork finalized. The, the hope uh, is that he will you know, arrive here at some point this week. Uh, per NHL protocol, he will have to undergo a self-quarantine period of seven days and produce four negative COVID-19 tests in that time. Uh, so we mentioned those four games that that we're going to see in the next week. Mikhail Granlin might not play in any of them. Um, but other than that, everybody else is here. Um, minus Philip Tomasino, minus Philip Tom- who's also going through that same process Tomasino too, right? Tomasino is here. He is in Nashville. Um, after arriving following the conclusion of the World Junior Championships. Uh, the hope is that Loser. by the middle of the week, yes, he did lose. <laughs> uh, the hope is by the middle of the week uh, that he will be able to be on the ice with the rest of the team. He has to undergo the same requirements I just mentioned about Granlin. So we've done a lot of roster, as you said, gesticulating. Is that right? Did I get that right? Gesticulating yeah. is... Gyrations and, uh, yes, and flamboyance. Yes. We've done a lot of, uh, of all of those things. Prognosticating? Yes, when it comes to the roster. I, I have an argument to make that it's actually far easier to predict. Than, than we've made it on ourselves even. Yeah, I, probably. The only name that really, and this is where I'm interested in Tomasino because I would love to see Tomasino take the place of Granlin because it looks like Granlin is the only piece that the Predators will not have that they should expect to have in their rot- regular rotation. And again, for those that don't know, 23-man roster. You as have, usual. As usual. Uh, two goaltenders, and, and then you sort of fill out the rest there, 18 forwards, right? Or 18 skaters. Uh, two goaltenders that that play that start each game, and then you have three three extras. Three extras, and uh, as far as I'm concerned, it's very easy to pinpoint the 23 people. And if you remove Granland, which we have to do for at least probably the first week, it makes it more interesting. And then you could see Tomasino maybe getting some ice time in that in that role, filling in per- perhaps. But it seems pretty easy, and let me see if you if, if you agree with this. All right, you might have to like count num. You might have to number them as you count. Yes. Okay. So we, I, I'm just going to eliminate the two goaltenders, UC okay. Saros and Pekarine, and the six starting blue liners. UC uh, Ellis, Ekholm, uh, Ekholm, yeah. I almost said Subban, Ekholm, Fabro, <laughs> Borvietsky, and Benning. So that's eight. Yes. That's eight right there that are just off the board. Okay. Yes. I'm going to take the top line of of uh, Forsberg, Johansson, and Arvidsson off off the. Now we're at eleven. Yes. Right. So then you've got Whit. Let's include Granlin in this. Yes, because I he's going to he's going to be listed right. on the opening night roster. So 
I'm not saying starting lineup. I'm just saying the 23-man roster. Okay. It, it would be a shock to me if it didn't. And we're at 11 right now. If it did not include Matt Duchesne. 12. <laughs> 12. Luke Cunning. 13. 13. Uh, Colton Sissons. 14. Nick Cousins. 15. Callie Yarncroke. 16. Brad Richardson. 17. Rocco Grimaldi. 18. Uh, are we counting? Did I say Granlin out loud? Yes. Granlund. Uh, who else? I've lost count. Yep, already. Let's start again. So, we have 11. <laughs> 11. And then we go Cousins, Halla, Cunnan, Duchesne, Richardson, Grimaldi, Sissons, Yarncroke, Granlund, Tolvanen, Yakov Trenin, and Tenorti. That is 23. Okay, so one thing that I think we can safely assume. Um, we've we've spoken a lot about the taxi squad, or as we've come to call it, the cash cab. It will be known as the cash so cab. So on Monday, uh, as we record this, Monday was the last day that NHL teams could place waiver-eligible players on waivers in order to be sent to either the taxi squad or the American League. Yakov Trenin and Jared Tenorti, both of whom are waiver-eligible, were not on the final list of waivers which says to me that both of them are on the 23-man active roster. All of the other players who were waiver-eligible at some point during camp have been placed and cleared waivers, including Alex Carrier, Michael McCarron, um, Ben Harper, um, you know, those, those types of players. Um, so those players are eligible for— either Old the- Yannick Weber count? <laughs> See, that's a good question, and, and, and as we record this, I, ha- I haven't been able to receive clarity on this about whether a player on a PTO, a professional tryout contract, was to needed to go through yeah. waivers today in order to sign a standard contract. Well, that's, already, that. that's already too deep in the weeds. Here's okay. my question. Uh, barring injury or immigration visa problems, those are the 23 dudes, yes. right? Tenorti feels like the seventh defenseman, yes. and some combination of Trennan plus one will be the three guys that are not active on any given night. If, if Again, every, and we know that injuries happen and that people will cycle in and out of the lineup. But as of today, it feels like those are the 23. Mm-hmm. And, that, I, I, and that, that means Connor Ingram's on the cash cab. That means Tomasino's on the cash cab. Rem Pitlick's in the cash cab. Uh, McCarron's in the cash cab. Olivier, Carrier, Davies, some combination of those of six of those guys, including Ingram, of course, that has yeah, to be so, on there. So as you said— So it seems like that's their 29-man roster, basically. Yes, and as you just mentioned, every team is required to carry at least three goaltenders, and if the Predators, as we expect them to, only have Pecorine and UC Soros on the active roster, that means one of the six taxi squad spots has to be a goaltender. So you can pencil in Connor Ingram. I also think it's safe— as you mentioned, uh, to assume that Philip Tomasino will be a member of the taxi squad uh, because the OHL season is suspended, uh, excuse me, delayed indefinitely. He is not, under normal circumstances, would not be eligible to play in the AHL. I'm not sure if that rule will be uh, uh, suspended uh, for this season, but there really is nowhere else for him to go. Um, So I would say he's on there. Um, you know, as you mentioned, Michael McCarron, Rem Pitlick, Matthew Olivier, they all make sense for that spot. Jeremy Davies. Do you, do you like having one goalie, one defenseman, four forwards? Or do you like having two defensemen, three forwards, and one goalie? That's a good question. Because um, that means Tenorti is your stopgap on the wonder, active roster, that we only have one other guy in your defense I, I core. I think yeah, if you're going to have one extra defenseman 
and two extra forwards on the active roster, I think you should probably have more defensemen on on the taxi squad. I would want to see Carrier and Davies on the taxi squad. Yeah, I think I, I would. I would. My taxi squad would be Ingram, Tomasino, McCarron, one of Olivier and Pitlick. Yep, exactly. And, and then, then Carrie and Davies. And then Carrie and Davies. I, I McCarron just watching him at practice and in the, he is He's huge. He's such a different dude than the rather rest of us. He's a large human being. <laughs> he's, and and they like him a lot. He I brings mean, a different dynamic. There's no and, question. And as we talked about on previous episodes, uh, you know, John Hines's uh, you know, plan for the taxi squad is to have have players who can immediately jump into the NHL lineup in case of injury, illness, yep. whatever. And McCarron, to me, at this stage of his career, is not a player who would be hindered by just practicing. You know, there are, like Jeremy Davies, for example, right. could stand to use more AHL playing time. You know, Michael McCarron, he's in his mid to, you know, mid-20s. I think he's 25. He's got plenty of experience at the AHL level. He's had time in the NHL. To me, he's the kind of guy that if he were to just be around and practice— it wouldn't be that big. Like it wouldn't He'd stunt be, his growth, so to speak. And he would be ready to take over for Brad Richardson. Yes, if they needed him to. Same or, with Olivier. Like I think Olivier's in that same boat. Like okay. at some point, at, at various points during camp, he was on a line practicing with Cousins and Richardson, which makes sense as a as a rough and tumble fourth line. Yes. So, um, you know, he's he falls into that category too. Same with Carrier. Like I would be hesitant to place a player who needs the playing time in the minor leagues on the taxi squad. Like Tolvanen or <laughs> something along those lines. Um, yeah, right. he's the wild so, card. So speaking of what we saw in the scrimmage, which again, take it for what it's worth, but Hala, Duchesne, and Cunnan played on the line together. Technically, uh, uh, you call it the second line if you want to. Cousins, Sissons, and Tolvanen played on the line, which I, I, I am intrigued by as a fan of hockey. I don't know if it makes me happy that Tolvanen is in that situation, but again, Granland and, and who knows what the other situation. Yarncroke, Richardson, and Grimaldi played together uh, as well on a line. So I, I don't know. Like, I guess my two questions are, you know, you've been open about how Ellie Tolvanen is not a bottom six forward. Is that is he just inactive for most games unless he's not in the top six, or do we actually see John Hines try him with, you know, whoever, Sissons and somebody else on, on a third line? And then my other question is about Hala. Do we think that he actually is a top six forward, or is he just in place of Granlin right now? I like Hala more as a third-line center than a second-line winger. That isn't to say that he couldn't play on the second line, but to me, Granlin, Duchesne, and Cunnan make sense as a second line. Yeah, we know, said you, that. So Hala on the third line uh, makes sense. You know, I was having a text conversation earlier with uh, our dear friend Willie Donick, um, and we were talking about Ellie Tolvanen. And, and Willie's point of view is that he doesn't think that Tolvanen needs to be a top six player, um, mostly mostly because there's probably not room for him in the top six, which is true. Um, but if, to, if Luke Cunningham is that good that there's no room for him, that that's also a good thing right. for the Predators. But for me, like for, for but for me, I think Luke Cunningham. Luke Cunningham to me fits the Callie Yarncrow Colton Sissons mold yeah. in the sense that yes, he can play in the top six, but he can also play in on the third line and maybe play more of a defensive oriented role versus Tolvanen, who I feel needs to be placed in as many offensive situations as humanly possible equal equal strength offensive zone time power plays that kind of stuff right exactly so to me like you know at the scrimmage on sunday tolvanen was playing with i think nick cousins and colton sissons like to me 
that doesn't seem like a line that's going to lead to success for Ali Tolvin. That, that that's not it, that doesn't mean that's not disrespecting cousins who you know hopefully won't name search this podcast and and <laughs> they, i don't Sisons. think they've developed that technology no, they yet. haven't yet um, <laughs> google's working on his it. ears are burning but you know i i just don't i don't see they're not going to create a bunch of offensive chances for him to be in scoring situations right like Let's to just, me you know. to me tolvanin i think we've i think we made this analogy last time you know to me he's the you know a spot a spot up three-point shooter in yep. basketball yep. like you need to get him people who can help him create offense. And to me, you know, I, I think of, you know, I think of, you know, I think when Kevin Fiala first broke into the NHL, you know, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but he was basically starting four fifths of his shifts in the offensive zone. Yeah. And he was getting power play time. If I recall correctly, it's been a few years, he could, but he could score, but he yes, wasn't get back on. But defense. Tolvin, Tolvin is, is similar in that mold. So, to me, if you're not going to put Tolvanen in the top six, I think you're doing him a disservice anywhere else. But at the same time, you're also doing him a disservice, I think, by not playing him. Let me give you a, a quick projection then where Granlin being out for a week might actually help because it, it, it clears a spot for him to get some some reps on the, on the second line with Cunning and Duchesne. In, for the first three or four games before we maybe even come back for the next podcast where Granlin is not ready to go yet because of all the other stuff off the, off the ice. And so it, it, it sort of allows Hines the opportunity to put Tolvanen in on that second line. Let's see what you got for three or four games. And then when Granlin comes back, we reevaluate the situation and then we see what, what works. So I think there could be some benefit to that. And we'll get to the four games and what we're looking for in just a few minutes. Um, but I do think there could be some benefit to that. Um, uh, Luke Cunning, two years, $4.6 million, 2.3 AAV. You know, I, I think on the surface, it looks like a, not a lot of money, but on a per year basis, he's the bigger, he's a bigger signing offensively than any of the other guys outside of Granlin's contract, but he's young, he's talented. You know, what'd you think of the deal? I thought it was the, you know, the, the path of least resistance. Um, it was, it's a bridge deal. Um, Luke Cunningham really didn't have a lot of leverage because he is a restricted free agent. I believe he was coming off of his entry level contract. He did not have arbitration, right? So the only, the only leverage he really had was to not practice, which he did for, which he didn't do for a couple of days. Now, then scored a couple goals. He was in the building. He was in the building. He was going through off ice workouts. He was watching tape with, you know, and going into meetings, but he wasn't going on the ice. Um, So um, I think it makes sense. Um, You know, it's one of those good old fashioned prove it deals. I mean, he, he took a step forward in his game last year. Um, He had career highs across the board. He's a young player. So it wasn't like he had, you know, it wasn't a huge bar to clear, Uh, but it puts him in a good position to to have a good couple of years and then hopefully cash in in two years. Yep. Um, so I think it, I mean it's it was a tidy piece of business. Now I'm still a bit unsure as to why it took so long. <laughs> um, that answer has has uh, has not uh, has a uh, contracts me. contracts can be tricky sometimes. Yeah, but like it's it shouldn't People... have been a contract that it was tricky. Like you know when you when you're dealing with a veteran player. You know, those contracts can be tricky. But when you're a young player coming off of an entry-level deal with no arbitration, like, that should be fairly simple to Are you trying to out. read something into this, or? No, I'm just wondering. I'm No, I'm just curious. Like, that's the one thing I haven't been able to nail down as to why it, 
why okay. it took longer, why he had to miss camp for a couple of days to get it to. Yeah, maybe to, he wanted a couple extra hundred thousand dollars. Maybe. I mean, <laughs> not, I, I would hold out for a couple. I was going to say, it doesn't feel all that complicated sometimes. Sometimes it's just, hey, I want a little extra money. Um, all right. So we will get to a couple other uh, news and notes from around the, the, the world and then sort of what we're looking at, the hockey world, and then what we're looking at for in these first four games. Again, Thursday against Columbus, Saturday against Columbus. Monday against Carolina, Tuesday against Carolina, all games at 7 o'clock. I can't believe that we're going to do this show, and then the next time we do a show, there will be four hockey games to talk about. So we'll get to, to what, you, what you're what you looking for in those four games. Uh, but let's sort of run through the Central Division. All and, right. And give everybody sort of a quick crash course on all these different teams. I'll lay out the updated Vegas odds uh, for all of this. Tampa Bay is your Vegas odds winner to win the division at plus 125. Okay, so pause. Okay. I, I am not a betting man. Okay. I don't understand odds at all. So what does plus one twenty five mean? Okay. If you you place a hundred, you get a one you get one twenty five. So the anything plus over a hundred is additional added value to your bet. Okay. So if it's if it's if it's minus, if you're talking minus two hundred, you have to it's minus two, double the. So if I put three hundred dollars on the Tampa Bay Lightning to win the Stanley Cup at one twenty five, what to, would they? What would I get back? To win the Stanley Cup, they're plus seven fifty. Okay. So to win the so division. every. So every dollar for to win the cup, it's plus seven fifty. So for every hundred dollars you bet, you'd win seven hundred and fifty dollars. Okay. So plus seven fifty is just a multiplier. Okay. So I still don't get it, but please continue. Yeah, to, to, it's just. It's just I hedging. play. I play nickel slots, man. <laughs> like I, I don't know. <laughs> Division odds: Tampa Bay plus one twenty five, Carolina plus three fifty. All you really need to know is the order here. Okay. Dallas plus five fifty, Nashville at fourth, very clearly at plus eight hundred. Columbus right behind him at plus nine hundred. Florida at plus 1,000, Chicago at plus 2,500, Detroit at plus 5,000. So the order, Tampa, Carolina, Dallas, Nashville, Columbus, Florida, Chicago, Detroit. Now, where do they rank according to the odds to win the cup? These are all according to DraftKings Sportsbook. So pick your sportsbook, whatever. About the same. Tampa overall is number two in the NHL. Carolina is number six in the NHL to win the Stanley Cup. Dallas checks in at number 11. Nashville at 14. Columbus at 18, Florida at 21, Chicago way down at 28th, and Detroit at 31. So I think that's about what we talked about a couple of weeks ago on the show. Roughly speaking, it is Tampa and Carolina, class of the division, Chicago, Detroit, garbage, and then the other four teams fighting for two spots with Nashville and Dallas as the favorite to take those two spots. Nothing has changed since then. So let's kind of run through these teams real quickly and give everybody a sense of what they're going to see because a lot of Preds fans probably have not watched a ton of Tampa or Carolina or Columbus or Florida, for example, over the last few years. So outside of being the cup champions, having arguably the best goalie in the league, according to the athletics uh, anonymous, our goalie tears, as I goalie mentioned tears, before. Uh, yeah, as he did. Uh, Vasilevsky, number one in the NHL and the pick they're, they're number two in the league to win the cup. Number one, to win the division, an extraordinary defensive team last year in their Stanley cup run. I don't know how much we take from the bubble, but Give everybody a quick crash course on the Tampa Bay Lightning. They have stars at every position, and they have young stars, too. I mean, Braden Point and Anthony Sorelli. You know, veteran-wise, they have Steven Stamkos, um, Victor Hedman, Andre Vasilevsky. They're loaded. Uh, and and that doesn't even and that's even without Nikita Kucherov, who's going to miss the entire regular season after, I believe, going undergoing hip surgery. Um, but, you know, it speaks to their depth that they're missing – the MVP from a couple of years ago, and they're still loaded. Yep. Um, Tampa's really friggin' good. That's all you need to know. 
there's a reason why they won the cup last year. And there's a reason why they're favored to win the division and perhaps repeat as champions. And Nashville's been pretty solid against them. They have won in the regular lot, season. They have won a lot of regular season games against Tampa. Carolina, we've talked a little bit about as just a fun, energetic, exciting brand of hockey. They have some goaltending issues. They were ranked 26th by the Athletic out of 31 teams as far as goaltending goes in their ranking. Um, but this team is clearly picked to, win, to, to, to make the playoffs and to be number two in the division. And I think we've talked about this, our favorite pick for a new rivalry within the Central Division for this one particular year. Uh, we know about Sebastian Ajo, but what about the rest of the team? Well, well, first of all, the goaltender, was it Peter Morazic? Was he? Yes. The, yes. See, the goaltending is the only thing that's going to really hold them back. Um, they're as we as you just ran through. They're very exciting. We talked about the young stars on uh, on Tampa. A ton of young stars um, on the Carolina Hurricanes. You mentioned Sebastian Ajo. Uh, uh, you know, there's also Andre Svechnikov. Um, they they could They could they could lay claim to having the best defensive core in the NHL. Uh, they Ooh. had two defensemen last year, um, Jacob Slavin and Dougie Hamilton, finish in the top ten in Norris Trophy voting. Um, that's they, that's that's slanderous talk on this podcast. Brett Pesci, um, they they have a really good defense, um, and Dougie Hamilton missed a lot of last year because of injury, and he still ended up in the top ten in the Norris Trophy voting. Um, Jacob Slavin, I was I believe was fifth, and and Hamilton was seventh. Um, so. Uh, yeah, I mean they're a very they're a very good team, um, but their upside might be limited by their goaltending. Correct. I think that's fair. Goaltending tends to do that to teams. Uh, Dallas, number three in the division. Uh, obviously, we we know a lot about this. Is one of the teams we know a lot about. We've we've certainly seen them and seen them in the playoffs. They did lose to the to the Tampa Bay Lightning in the Stanley Cup final last year. So fun to have both teams in your division <laughs> that played in the Stanley Cup final last year. That's yes. pretty unusual. Um, but what any what's different about Dallas this year? Not a ton. Um, they're going to miss Ben Bishop and Tyler Sagan for the majority of the regular season. They both underwent off-season surgeries. Uh, they re-signed Anton Hudobin, who, of course, was the was the goaltender who helped lead them to the Stanley Cup final. Um, not a ton of changes. Um, most Predators fans will love to hear that Corey Perry is no longer on the team. Um, they hit waivers, right? He actually did hit waivers for the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, he might be on the Canadian's cash cap. Who knows? Um, but you won't have to see him anymore, um, or at least this season you won't have to see him. Um, but really, they have a lot of young players ready to take the next step. You know, John Klingberg has been there for a couple of years now. Mira Heiskanen uh, has a Calder Trophy in his future. You know, at forward, Rupe Hints, who Predators fans remember had a big series against them in the playoffs a couple of years ago. Um, so not a ton of changes. Missing Sagan and Bishop is going to hurt, um, but I still think they're a good team. Um, I don't think they're going to be as good as they were last year. Remember, yeah. they were awful at the beginning of last year, um, and then they were, you know, I think they had like a 1-7 and 1 start or something like that, and they ended up picking it up from there. So I don't expect them to be that bad again or as good as they were, you in know, the cup. Yeah. you know, in the cup run. But they're, I think they are a solid third-place team. Yep. Uh, so Nashville at number four. Columbus at number five. What do we need to know? Again, plus 900. Nashville's plus 800. So it seems like these are the two teams that are going to be battling for that final spot if, if, again, you're taking the Vegas odds to mean anything. Yeah, Columbus, um, another good, scrappy team. I mean, they're coached by John Tortorella, so they know how to work. 
Um, the one thing, the only thing I'm not looking forward to this year and having to watch these two teams play each other eight times is all of the Seth Jones, Ryan Johansson hot takes that are inevitably going to come out uh, of these games. If uh, just do the article then, yes, like if, before if, the season, do the article. I Here mean, are the eight hot takes we're going to get from all eight matches. I mean, Seth Jones, do it. Is, Seth Jones is going to win the Norris Trophy. I mean, it's inevitable. Um, he had he has transformed into a stud defenseman, which Predators fans knew he was going yeah, to. Yeah. Um, but um, they they've got some interesting pieces on their team as well. You know, Cam Atkinson. Um, look, they lost. You know, they they. We know what happened to them last offseason. They lost Bobrovsky. They lost Duchesne. They lost Panarin. Um, you know, Pierre-Luc Dubois had a fantastic postseason. He's a star in the making. Whether or Love not it's in Columbus it is another question because, uh, as my colleague in Columbus, Aaron Portsline, has reported, although Dubois resigned, there is still a desire to no longer play in Columbus. So we'll see what happens there. Seems to be a, a pattern there. Um, you know, Columbus is a great town. Do you think it has to do with Columbus, the town, Why or would it, the coach? Who would hate Columbus? I mean, Columbus is a solid town. Or the coach. It's the biggest city in Ohio. Do you I know mean, that? Yeah, I did not. John Tortorella, you know, your mileage may vary. I think he has softened. Um, yeah. But. You know, as a coach, I can understand why he could, you know, sure. grind on you. Columbus is a great town. Um, I got nothing against. I don't Columbus. know why you wouldn't. I mean, I, I, you know, everyone knows. Seabus, man. Yeah, it's a great place. It's a great place. Yeah. You know, it's a good, a solid of, college town. Yeah, a lot of good places to drink. <laughs> so, um, so anyway, yeah, I mean, they're they are they are go, they are the team that I see as you know fighting with the Predators okay. for that last playoff spot. Speaking of Bobrovsky, uh, the Florida Panthers. Are next in line. They are picks uh, sixth in the division. Um, does anyone know anything about the Florida Panthers? Do people watch these games? Do they play in the league? Are we sure that they're a team? Well, they have the last <laughs> laugh on a lot of people because they're actually going to have fans at their games, and that's always mm. been the joke that no one goes to Panthers games, but they're actually going to have fans at their games at least to start, um, I believe. I don't think that's changed since the last time I looked. Um, Bobrovsky signed a Seven-year, $70 million contract last summer, and it did not go well. Um, but I expect him to be better. You know, the question is, is you know, wh- you know, where are the goals going to come from? I mean, they lost Mike Hoffman. They lost Evgeny Dadanov. They still have, you know, Sasha Barkov. They still have Jonathan Uberdo. You know, there, there are solid players in Florida. It's just like, you know, and they're coached by a three-time Stanley Cup winner in Joel Quenville. So there are things to like about the Panthers. You know, they, they signed Anthony Duclair to, you know, to eat into the, the goals that went out the door with Hoffman and, and Dadanov. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they're just kind of there. Are they I mean, da- are they dangerous to overachieve because they've got some of those veteran pieces? I think the only thing that would allow them to overachieve is if Bobrovsky, you know, just awesome. attain, you know, re- yeah. you know, attains Vezina Trophy level again. That's um, But... Um, I think they're. I think they'll be in the periphery of the playoff discussion throughout the season, but I just don't think they have enough to put them over the top. So Chicago and Detroit. If you want to give me a quick thought on, they're gonna both suck. Yeah, I was gonna say. Moving um, on. So no. what I was gonna ask, though, what I was gonna ask is, I know there's some history with Chicago, certainly with the rivalry, and there's some history of not playing well against bad Detroit teams for Nashville, kind of like Arizona for for a little while there. I guess my question is, you're gonna play 16 times with these two teams. What what is the, the the number you need to 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 call it a success? Like four loss, three losses. So they're going to play sixteen games they're, against them. They're so going to play sixteen a total games. of. You need eleven 30, wins, thirty-two points, right? That's my quick math. So that's a, a thirty-two points available. 
I think you need 22 points. I to think call you it need a somewhere between 20 and 24 points yeah. to be like, okay, we we had a good year. If you're the Predators, is that a fair way to look at it? Yeah, with I those mean, two Chicago, teams. Like you need to rack up points with those Chicago. Two. They're in the rebuild. They've they've basically announced that they're having a rebuild. They're not going to have Jonathan Taves indefinitely. They're not going to have Kirby Doc for the entire regular season. Um, they still have Patrick Kane. You know, they still have Duncan Keith. Um, they still have Alex DeBrincat. You know, their goaltending, you know, they 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 parted with Corey Crawford, who announced his retirement the other day. Uh, but they've got Colin Delia and Malcolm Subban. Like, if you just have to look at their goaltending to know they're, <laughs> they're, they're, you know, they're kind of, I don't want to say tanking, but they're, you know, they're waving the white right, flag right. on the season. I mean, 10-4-2 would get you 22 points. Yes. I, I mean, I, I think, think you could, I think that's the bottom of, yeah. the, of the of the record you want. If you want to be a playoff team. I think you need to be ten four and two against two of the worst four teams. This in the might league. be the hottest take about that. I I I, would, I might go out on the limb and say that Detroit finishes with more points than Chicago. <laughs> I mean that that would be a Scorching hot. That, I mean, you know, Detroit Detroit improved their goaltending. I mean, they went out and got Tomas Grice uh, from the New York Islanders. He's a solid goalie. You know, Bobby Ryan I think could be a sneaky good addition. He was bought out by the Senators. Um, you know, Dylan Larkin is still there. Um, you know, I, I think there are some good pieces in Detroit too. Um, you know, I, I those two teams are going to be battling it for draft, you know, for draft lottery position. But I would say if there are 32 points on the line combined against Detroit and Chicago this season, the Predators need at least 20, at, I, I, at least 20, minimum 20. Yes. I, I think 24 is the real number. The, we've talked about this. The Predators lucked out. You know, yeah, they they are yeah. not in a division. They don't have to deal with St. Louis. They don't have to deal with Colorado. They don't have to deal with Minnesota. Yeah. I mean, you're you if you want to look at other teams in the West, they don't have to deal with Vegas. You know, they 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 got they got lucky. I mean, oh, yeah. They, yeah, yes, yeah. they have to deal with Tampa, but like you get to play Detroit a lot, you get to play Florida a lot, you get to play Chicago, Chicago a lot. I mean, you need to take advantage of that. So that's sort of your quick crash course of the division. You've got four games. Between now and the next time we talk with you guys. Thursday night, of course, 7 o'clock. Saturday and 7 o'clock again. Those are both Columbus. And then Carolina, Carolina back-to-back on Monday and Tuesday. What are you looking for? Is it just Ellie Tolvanen that you're focused the most on? I, I, you know, I'm excited to see the bending borvietsky combo on the third line. I think they're going to be a very sound group in that. You're, you're looking for all the new faces, but is it really to- – like, what is it that you're most intrigued by in these, four, in these first four games? Well – I asked John Hines after the second scrimmage if if any of the combinations at forward that he had in the game, you know, he felt comfortable, you know, keeping together outside of the Johansson line, which we know is going to be together. And he said, you know, basically talk to me again on Tuesday. You know, he 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 still needed to figure it out himself. I'm just curious to see how these new players all fit in. Um you know where? What's the best place for Cunning? What's the best place for Halla? Yeah. Um. For, well, specifically at forward, just because we know where Benning and Borvietsky are going to go, and I too am looking forward to seeing them in action in a real game. Um. I think they're going to be a fun third pair to watch. Yeah. I mean, I think they've got some bite to them. Yeah. You know, Borvietsky is a rugged individual. Benning is more of a solid puck moving type, but he also has some bite to his game. That sounds like a traditional Predators defense pairing. Right. You <laughs> guy know, who can, guy who can move it a little upgrade. bit, a guy who's tough a little bit. I mean, it's an upgrade over the yeah. the the replacement-level defenseman they were throwing out on that third pair last year. Yannick Weber, Matt Irwin, Jared Snorty, Dan Hamhuse. Um, costs a lot more this year, too. It, it does cost more, but you get what you pay for. 
So, um, so it's exclusively about new faces in the forward group and how do they all fit together? I, I, I want to know where the goals are going to come from, from this group. Yeah. Um, because you know that Forsberg can score and you hope he has a bounce back year. You know Arvidsson can score and you hope he has a bounce back year. You know that Duchesne has more goal scoring capability. Um, same with Johansson. Same with Johansson. But at this point, I'm sort of, I have more confidence in Duchesne scoring than okay. I do Johansson. I feel at this point, Ryan Johansson is what he is to this team. I don't see, like, in an 82 game season, Ryan Johansson is a 10 to 15 goal scorer. Um, that is not what I want to hear. I know, but I just think we have five years now uh, of. You might of, be right. We have five years now of, of games and seasons to go off of. Shoot the puck, dude. Um, you know, I want to. I'm curious to see how. I'm curious to f- see that, that Duchesne line, who they ended up putting there, um, you know, how they complement each other. Um, you know, I. I I, I think Granlund is a is a shoe in for that spot once he gets there. You know, I, I like the idea of Cunning there. Will Tolvanen get a crack? I'll be curious to see if Tomasino gets in the game um, at some point. Um, but for me, I'm looking at, you know, I want to know where the goals are going to come from. Because yeah. when you look at the roster today versus the roster that they had at the end of last season, they lost a lot of skill. I mean, say what you will about Kyle Turris. At least he was a, he was a skill. He's a, which we have a lot. He's a skilled he's a skilled hockey player. He's an offensive minded player. We know what Craig Smith can do. We saw the goal scoring that Nick Bonino has brought to this team over the past couple of years. Like, did they replace that? You wanted the old Predators way, right? And now you have the old Predators way, which is we got six stud defensemen, some good goaltending, and some really good back checking forwards. But we're going to have to win 2-1-3-2. Yeah, I mean... And, and that's yeah. the old way to do it. I don't know if it's good enough this year. We'll see. That That's what we're all waiting to find out. Now, Cunnan's got upside, right? Halla, Halla scored 29 times one time in a year. Mm-hmm. He's got some upside. Tolvanen has tons of upside. Tomasina's got upside. There is upside. It's just completely largely unproven for the Nashville Predators. So we'll, we'll have to see. I, I guess you're right. It's... What does the what do the special teams look like? Because that was such an issue under Laviolette at the end of his career or end of his tenure here in Nashville. So what does that look like? I'm trying to think of things that I can, you know, all the guys that I talk to, the the experts, they all say, look, you can't just you can't use one game. You've got to take three, four, five, six, eight games chunks to sort of understand a team. And we're gonna have kind of the way this show is gonna work is we're probably gonna have about a four game sample size to digest every time we do the show. And so what does the special teams look like? What do the forward groups look like in the first four? And and what are the new faces doing? And how do they all work together? I right. think that's kind of what we're looking for uh, in those first four. Um, you you got uh, you want to touch on a couple of national news and notes here before we wrap this bad boy up? Sure. Let's do it. Uh, Mike Milbury, out. Much to the dismay of Nobody. Preds fans, <laughs> NHL fans, hockey fans, all humans. Yeah, so the NBC Sports Group announced their their – Broadcasting lineup for this season: the play-by-play announcers, the color commentators, the you know the because Doc Emmerich the studio is gone. the studio analyst. Yes, Doc Emmerich. He's alive. Of course, He's just he not... is alive. He is retired. It's so sad to hear um, that. And, and as you mentioned, Mike Milbury, who uh, got bounced from the bubble for for the latest of his <laughs> uh, you know untoward comments, um, is out after 14 years. He will not be back on the broadcast. And, I, you know, I, I think this means, you know, in terms of top play-by-play voices, uh, Kenny Albert, 
John Forslund are going to be elevated to you know the top of the heap. That's a good. Um, that's I, a good pairing. You so know, far. I, I like the idea of Brian Boucher, you know, becoming the top color analyst. Um, I, I think he's done a fabulous job over the past couple of years. Um, so if he want, if he's filling that, you know, previously Pierre Maguire type role, right. I, I think that's going to be great. Um, the one interesting thing on this list of broadcasters, analysts, studio, you know, studio hosts, etc. Mike Babcock, you know, speaking of <laughs> speaking of people whose whose most recent jobs did not end uh, with, you know, in the best of in the yeah, best of yeah, terms, yeah. will be a studio analyst uh, for NBC this year. That's um, an interesting move, by the way. It is. Um, hmm. You know, I don't think that was uh, looked upon favorably by some people. No, I would. I think that's a intelligent and wise way to put it. Yes. Um, so, but if we're looking at the NBC Sports Group right now, play by play, very quickly, this is the group: Kenny Albert, John Forslund, Brendan Burke, Mike Tirico, Gord Miller, John Walton, Randy Hahn, uh, analyst Eddie Olchuk, Brian Boucher, Pierre Maguire. Uh, I, I'm, oh, AJ Malesko, I always butcher her last name. Kendall Coyne, Schofield, uh, or Schofield, excuse me. Keith Jones and Anson Carter. Um, in terms of the studio commentators, the hosts, Catherine Tappan and Liam McHugh, as usual. Analysts, Keith Jones, Anson Carter, Patrick Sharp, Mike Babcock, Ryan Callahan, and Dominic Moore. And then your insiders, Bob McKenzie and Darren Drager yeah, the, on TSN. The Babcock name does stand out, right? As like kind of one of the odd odd names on that list. I I, uh, I do think Tariko does a better job at hockey than he gets credit for, for being kind of a football guy. Like he's sort of you know he's he's golf football, but like man, he does Olympics, golf, football, hockey. Like he does a lot of everything. So. If I recall, so I might I hopefully don't have this wrong. Brandon Burke normally calls New York Islanders games for MSG. Um, Randy Hahn uh, calls uh, San Jose Sharks games uh, for the NBC Sports California. John Walton is a close friend of mine. He is the radio voice of the Washington Capitals. Um, Gord Miller, uh, you know. Reach uh, down and pick up that name. <laughs> Gord, Gord Miller. Oh, no belief, the, <laughs> Gord Miller, you know, a well-known name in Canada. Um, and Mike Tirico, of course, does a little bit of everything. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I think it's, it's, good. A, it's sol- a good group. It's a solid group. Yeah. I think it, it's a solid group. I, Doc Emmerich will be missed. That's very sure. much so. Uh, Colin Wilson retired. And I know yes. you have a, a lot of interesting stories here real quickly at the end about Colin Wilson, because you had some, um, sort of some, I, I guess, personal interactions and experiences through yes. sort of his journey, which has been a very well-documented and now very public journey. And I think is going to be used by many people, hopefully to, help find their own way through through the same kind of journey that he had to go yes. through. So Colin Wilson uh, announced his retirement last week at the tender age of 31 years old. Must be nice. Uh, must be nice. Uh, currently living in Brooklyn. Also must be nice. Um, he made the decision to retire um, after undergoing his second double hip surgery uh, in, in less than the calendar year. Um, he felt he wasn't going to be ready for the season. Um, so he decided to retire. Um, in October of 2020, this past October, he wrote a, a great s- story on the Players Tribune called "The Things You Can't See," where he went deep into his struggles with uh, severe obsessive compulsive disorder and, and other uh, mental health issues that he experienced. Um, very powerful stuff. I highly recommend you seek it out. Yeah, don't um, don't think of OCD as just some sort of like thing you you brush off with your friends. You, yes. you have to go into the when you say severe OCD. You it, need to read the story. You got to read the story. It, to understand. It, it, it'll, yep. it'll take you 10, 15 minutes, but it's worth all of your time. And, you know, I, I, I talked to Colin on the phone last week. 
you know, sounds great. Um, it's good to hear. It's he, you know, he's currently, uh, un, he's currently pursuing his uh, undergraduate degree um, in psychology from Boston University, where where he played college hockey. He has plans to um, pursue a master's degree in counseling uh, once he completes his Good undergraduate him, program. Good for him. Um, he's also uh, working with a group that is set to open a space for alternative medicine in Austin, Texas. It's called Kuya, K-U-Y-A. You know, Colin has uh, experimented with psychedelic drugs, um, which I don't he talks about it in the story, too. He talks about yeah. it in the story. Um, it was also covered recently on a segment on HBO Real Sports um, with Brian Gumbel. Um, and that's not like marijuana. We're no, not talking we're about talking, weed. We're talking about we're heavier talking stuff. Like than ayahuasca yeah. and, and things of that yeah. nature. Um, LSD. Mushrooms. You know, mushrooms, yeah. which, which have been shown to have uh, therapeutic properties for people who struggle with depression. Um, so, uh, Is it weird to say that I've always wanted to do ayahuasca? No, I mean, I mean, I'd like to try it before I to die. Colin, talking know? to Colin about it, I'm I'm up for doing it. Um, but let, let's <laughs> all just right, not, gold standard. We're, we're not, gonna have a ayahuasca party. We're, not, we're gonna bring we're in a shaman. Record, we're not recording during. We're, di- we're not recording during that. Though. No, no, no. Um, It'll just but be look, you talking he, about Duke basketball players. Yes, he look. He has he had a complex career. You know, he was a number seven draft pick. He never lived up to that billing statistically. He had his moments, of course, as we know, playoff Colin Wilson. Um, but, you know, he was just grateful that considering all of the things he was going through under the surface, uh, that he was able to have as long a, as, yeah. as long of a career as he had. Um, so, you know, it was great to catch up with him. You know, he's been he's been one of my favorite players to get to know since I've been in Nashville. Um, I'm really glad he's doing well. And, and I'm glad that he's... I'm glad that he's using, but like in the right way, too. right? Like I'm he's, glad that he's using. You know, Colin's made a lot of money. You know, Colin's 31 years old. He could sit back and relax and and never work another day in his life if he didn't want to. But he's. But I think what's important is that he feels it important to better understand himself and and learn so that he can help other people. And I, I think that's a really great thing. Uh, so I wrote about it last week. It's on theathletic.com. Please read it. Please read the Players Tribune article, which is hyperlinked in the story, so you can easily awesome. find it. Awesome. Um, I highly recommend that particular story. I, I'm just glad that Colin yep. is, seems to be in a good place. Worth about ten million bucks, and seems to be doing a lot of cool stuff with his uh, post playing career at a fairly young age, getting a master's degree, opening up therapeutic, all kinds of cool stuff. I, I definitely recommend both articles. Check out Adam Vingan's article as well as the article on the Players Tribune. Anything else you have to say? Are the Preds going to make the playoffs? Yes, I agree. Do you think they're going to win anything in the playoffs? They'll win a round, maybe. They'll win a round. There we have it. The season is here, folks. Enjoy the first... You don't need to watch it now because I told you what's going to happen. The the first four games of the season are actually here. Cannot wait. Next week we get together, we will talk about hockey games. Players on a rink playing in a game. It's going to be wonderful. For Adam Bingen, you can follow him on Twitter. Where? At Adam Bingen. And where should people subscribe to Good Journalism? Theathletic.com, where we are currently... I almost forgot where we are currently running a 30-day free trial special uh, for Ooh. the NHL. Uh, so any story that I have written, if you in the next week or you go on to those stories, you do not subscribe in the story, you will find 
a a a link to a 30-day free trial sign it sign up we have incredible stories it's all free. over the network it's free it's a free 30-day trial what else could you ask for give us a give us a try i guarantee you, you will appreciate it. if you're listening to this show right now at this point of the podcast you need to have the product that just we'll just leave it at that for adam always a pleasure my name is braden gall you can follow me on twitter at braden gall thank you for listening enjoy the start of the nhl season this has been the gold standard on the 440 sports network